Good morning, church. Our scripture will come from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Bless the word of God. Well, good morning. What a joy it is to see all of you here uh, this morning. Indeed. Guys in the sound room, they like to hear me. <laughs> they do. They do. And so that's why they turn me up. So they just like to listen to me. Don't we, Pat? Amen. 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 Um, but if you are visiting here with us this morning, let me say personally welcome to you. Uh, this is your first time here at East Point Church. It is our delight to have you with us. We do pray. Uh, that you would have heard and would hear something that would both challenge and encourage you this morning as we seek to lift up the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed this morning, beloved, and that is something that Christians celebrate every time we gather. And so in one sense, um, Resurrection Day is every day of our lives, as we will see this morning. But on this Sunday, we recognize that there was a day in history in which the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave, and those who went to discover him found an empty tomb. Amen? Amen. And this is the day that we recognize the mighty power of God to save his people by raising our Savior, the Son of God, from the dead. And that's going to be our meditation this morning as we go into the Word of God. Let us pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, indeed, we come this morning acknowledging that our Lord and our Savior, the Christ Jesus. He has risen, and indeed, he is alive forevermore. And because he is risen, Lord, we know that we are saved, and we are redeemed, 
that we are your people and you are our God. And we not only have life, but we have hope because of your love. We thank you, Lord, this morning for the faith to trust and to believe upon this Christ whom we have not seen and yet we believe. Thank you for the blessing that comes to those who trust by faith. Be with us now as we meditate upon this truth from your word. Guide us and strengthen us. Encourage our hearts once again. Remind us why, Lord, we are saved. And for what purpose this morning? Why might we glorify your name? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we come this morning to recognize, in a real sense, an historical event. There have been a lot of events in the history of civilization in our world that have had world-changing impact upon life as we know it, um, such events as World War II, the Reformation, the invention of the printing press, the Chinese Revolution, the rise of Islam in the world. discovery of penicillin, the discovery of DNA, and the one thing that none of us could live without, the internet. But I would submit to you this morning, beloved, that the single most significant event in human history is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now to some that might sound like an overstatement, to some that might sound like hyperbole, so some might think that to say that one is given over to enthusiasm, but the reality is, beloved, that Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. It is the sine qua non. It is that without which there is nothing. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Christianity. It is the center point of our faith. It is the capstone of the revelation of God. It is the event in Scripture, beloved, that all events before it point to. And it is the event in Scripture that all subsequent events look back to. 
It is the centerpiece. It is Christianity. It is Christianity. Christianity is not love God and love your neighbor. Christianity is love God and love your neighbor because Christ is risen from the dead. Christianity, beloved, is not do justice and to seek mercy and to seek to end all the ill-isms in the world. But Christianity is do justice and love mercy and to seek to, to end the ills of the world because Christ is risen from the dead. Beloved, we don't fight for peace, and we don't fight for life and for the unborn and defend marriage, except that Christ is risen from the dead. If Christ is not risen, beloved, there is no such thing as Christianity. If Christ is not risen, there is no apostles' doctrine. If Christ is not risen, there is no church. If Christ is not risen from the dead, beloved, you don't know me. And I wouldn't care to know you. If Christ is not risen from the dead, beloved, your faith is foolish and your worship is worthless. And that is why Apostle Paul says earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, we may as well eat and drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. Why, beloved, the point of Christianity is that Christ is risen from the dead. And because he is risen, all of life changes. Everything is different. This is what we do, beloved. This is who we are. We are those who profess and therefore those who proclaim that Jesus is alive. You get this. You get this when you're reading in the New Testament, particularly as you read the apostles. They understood this. That this is the capstone. This is the warp and the woof of our faith. This is that with which God is building everything. In Acts chapter 17, as, as Paul is there amongst those unbelieving Greeks, and he's there at the Areopagus, and he's preaching. And he says this, beloved, in verse 30. 
the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now, he ain't playing no more. God ain't playing no more. Because now he commands all people to repent. Why? Because he has fixed a day on which he would judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And do you know why he has given this assurance? Because he has raised this man from the dead. He ain't playing no more. Because Christ is alive. The substance of salvation. That's it, beloved. There is no Christianity without the resurrection of Christ. There are no Christians. What the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. You want to be saved? Are you going to be saved this morning? Here it is. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. There is no other way. Apart from belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. John is out on the island of Patmos, and he receives the revelation. He is visited by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And in chapter 1, verse 17, John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, John. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the first and the last. I am he who was dead. But I am alive forevermore. This is the, the substance, beloved. This is the, the capstone, the singular significance of being a Christian is that Christ is alive. And this is how Paul begins this chapter to the Corinthians, isn't it not? Chapter 15 and verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. What I also received. The very first thing, the very most important truth that you can understand is that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The resurrection, beloved, is the center of Christianity. It is the heart. It is the capstone. The resurrection, therefore, is 
the power. The resurrection is the purpose. As a Christian, your life has power. And your life has purpose. Because Jesus is alive. And that's what the apostle says here. In verse 54, he makes it clear that resurrection is power. So he says that death in the resurrection of Christ, death is swallowed up in victory. So that Christ could proclaim, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Why? Because the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is a power. Sin is a power, beloved. It entangles us. It ensnares us. It traps us. Sin enslaves us. We are born in its grip. And that grip gets tighter and tighter with every breath you take and with every move you make. Tighter and tighter until it eventually chokes you out. Beloved, the resurrection is also power. And in fact, the only power on earth stronger than the power of sin, beloved, is the power of God in grace given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He understood that. In verse 10, he said, I want to know Jesus. But I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Because, beloved, there is resurrection power that has been given, that flows through the soul of the Christian who has trusted in this risen Christ. It says in Romans chapter 6, this resurrection power is the power that overcomes sin. And because Jesus has been raised from the dead and you and I have been raised with him, now we are no longer slaves to sin. Sin no longer entangles us. Sin no longer has its grip around us. Sin no longer has the power to choke us out. Because, it says in Romans 6 and 4, now we have been raised in Christ to walk in newness of life. Because of the resurrection, beloved, the most powerful weapon that the enemy has against Christians, beloved, is death. He threatens it all the time. And he uses it frequently. He uses it 
frequently. But here is the truth of the matter, beloved. Though he frequently uses this weapon, it fails every time to gain him the victory. And yet he continues to use it. It was Albert Einstein who said that insanity is this. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And if you will pardon the expression, if that is true, then that means that Satan is insane. Because over and over and over and over again, he yields the same weapon against the church and against Christians. And over and over again, it fails. He tried to kill Jesus, and Jesus conquered death, the Bible says, and he swallowed death up in victory and now proclaims, Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's gone. It's gone. And what we have learned throughout history and what we are still learning today is the lesson that Satan seems to not get. And that is, you cannot destroy the church by killing Christians. You don't destroy the church, beloved, by killing Christians. It has never worked. And it never will. Nero tried it. The Ecclesian tried it. ISIS tries it. And this morning, this Easter morning, there are Christians in Egypt who gather together in the wake of persecution and could sing up from the grave heroes with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. And victory today is mine. And I told ISIS, get thee behind, because victory today is mine. That's the power of the resurrection. And that is the victory. For the resurrection not only has power, but because it has power, now your life and my life has purpose. It has purpose. And you see that in verse 58, don't you? Therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because Christ is raised 
your life and my life has purpose. Purpose, beloved. Because of the resurrection, your life matters. Your service matters. Your giving matters. The purpose-driven life is the resurrection-driven life. It is the life that is fueled every moment of every day by the reality that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And I have the victory in him. That must drive your existence. Drive your life so that your life counts. Your life matters. Therefore, he says, because of that, you be steadfast. You be unmovable. And you always abound. You be steadfast. Steadfast, he says. He means you be fixed. You be fixed. You do not turn aside. From the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you hold fast to that conviction. You've heard the testimony. You've experienced the power, the life-changing power. You've heard the witnesses and the lives that have been changed. You hold fast. You stay fixed. Your mind made up. And you don't turn back. Because Jesus is alive. And you be steadfast. And you be unmovable. Don't be persuaded by the latest theological fads. You be unmovable. You don't get moved off your mark. Christ is alive and he's coming back and therefore I am firmly rooted and grounded in that empty tomb. My roots have been dug deep upon that and into that holy ground. And the winds of change come. And theological and philosophical and ideological trends come and they blow upon this tree. But this tree is planted by the waters and I shall not be moved. Christ is alive. And I'm unmovable upon that fact, beloved. I don't care what they say. I got one question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and is coming back again and is going to raise again all those who die in him? If you don't believe in that, keep walking. I don't care how fancy it sounds. I don't care how it's appealing to my own senses. I don't care how logical and educated it appears. If it ain't grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
if it ain't proclaiming an empty tomb. And I ain't moving. And I ain't coming with you. Just keep on blowing. What the old saints used to say, beloved, I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. You be steadfast. You be unmovable. And you always abound in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Serving, unswerving, giving, and living for the risen Savior. Always abounding in the work. Always, always. More and more and more and more. Why? Because when you trust in the risen Savior, you understand, beloved, that living for him is not a burden. It is a joy to live for the resurrected King. It is a joy. It is a joy because he promises. He promises that nothing I do for him is in vain. Nothing I do for him is insignificant. Others may consider it insignificant. Others may trample on it. Others may not acknowledge it. But Jesus says here, it is not in vain. You keep giving. You keep living. You keep serving, unswerving. Dedicating yourself to the things of God. Because you know that he who is risen is coming to receive you unto himself. And all, and all, all that you want to hear him say is well done, my good and faithful servant. The resurrection, beloved, removes the vanity and the futility from life. Nothing is worthless in the Lord. There are no insignificant tasks. Everything that is done for the Lord and in the Lord is honored by the Lord. And it is never, never in vain. So don't be deterred. Don't be deterred, beloved. We all get discouraged. We do, beloved. We all have doubts. Your pastor has his doubts. I read stuff, things that people are saying, and I'm like, hmm, that makes sense. But this is what I always come back to. I always eventually come back to this point. Until they disprove that Christ got out of that grave. I'm holding fast. And I'm laboring for him. They got to disprove that empty tomb, beloved. Because in that empty tomb, is my victory. 
in that empty tomb is meaning. In that empty tomb is significance. And it trumps everything. It trumps everything, beloved. That's why you remain undeterred. Undeterred. You don't let your sin deter you. I know. I know when we sin and oftentimes the shame of it and the guilt of it can deter us from wanting to serve and from, from wanting to worship and from wanting to follow and from wanting to live and from wanting to speak up for Jesus Christ. Let me say to you this morning, don't let your sin deter you because the resurrection of Christ says your sin has been paid for. You don't let that deter you. Your sin is gone. Christ is raised from the dead, beloved. And he has justified you. And your sin is no more. You don't let your sin deter you. You don't let the sins of others deter you. How often times have people decided that they're not going to serve anymore because of what somebody else did. They're not going to give anymore because of what someone else said. They're not going to come anymore because how somebody else treated them. Don't let the sins of others deter you from the resurrection of Christ. They were not raised for you. He was. They don't give your life meaning. He does. They don't give your service significance. He does. You don't let your own sin deter you. And you don't let the sins of others deter you. Beloved, and you never let even the threat of death Ah, I know. We don't live there. We don't live there, beloved. But do you know that a large, large portion of your brothers and sisters do? And yet, the message to them is not to be deterred. And if the threat of death is not deterring them, why in the world would you let such little things deter you? And you say, I'm not going to be deterred by anything, even the threat of death. So that if that day does come Beloved, for anyone here, I pray that you remember, that we would remember that our Lord died, that he is risen. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For it has all been swallowed up 
in victory. And just as my life has meaning, so too even more will my death. You understand that, beloved? I mean this in all sincerity this morning. But in one sense, beloved, I envy the church in Egypt this morning. I envy it. I envy the preacher. Because when he says this, it hits every heart. Every soul in that place realizes the significance of this word this morning and the joy that floods their souls to know that their living and the dying of their brothers and sisters was not in vain. But they, this morning, Join in worship with them as they are gathered around the throne of God, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth is filled with his glory. Let our hearts be filled this morning as well. I think the hymn writer is right. And he writes, God sent his son. And they called him Jesus. He came to love and heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy our pardon. And life now is worth the living just because he lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, beloved, all fear is gone. Why? Because I know who holds the future. Life is worth the living just because. And I don't need anything more than that than to be reminded. He lives. He lives. He lives indeed. Let us pray. Lord, because you live,